welcome to Church of the Well podcast. Thank you for joining us. All right, cool. So, Advent comes from the Latin words meaning the coming. Today, we continue our celebration of this age-old tradition in lighting a new candle on the Advent wreath every Sunday. Each candle represents a gospel gift given to us through faith in Jesus, hope, peace, love, and joy. We light these candles in anticipation of both the celebration of the birth of Jesus at Christmas and his imminent return in the future. The light of each candle reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world. We begin by relighting the candles of hope and joy. Light both candles. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7 state, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, we, <laughs> we light the third candle, the candle of love. With Christians around the world, we light this candle as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the celebration of Christmas. May this light be a symbol of the love that is found in Jesus alone. John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then please stand for the reading of God's word for our passage today. John 15.12-17 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, the words that we've read today describing your love for us. We thank you for the Advent season to remind us of who we are in you. And we thank you, Lord, for these, these blessings. Amen. You can be seated. Um. My name is Matt Love. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we've been, my wife and I have been part of this team since uh, the inception in, in Bakersfield and then the call to come out. And it's a, ple- it's a blessing and a pleasure for me to be able to, to uh, bring uh, this message to you during this Advent season. Um, last week, well, we've talked on hope and we've talked on peace and we've talked, and those have been the candles that we've lit, uh, lit so far. And today we're talking about love. Um, and the, the passage that was read, whether it was John 3.16 or the John 15, we are looking at and describing and talking about God's love 
for us. Um, the Advent season is something that's special for us to kind of remind us of this love and in the event that took place at Christ's birth. But it wasn't just that specific moment or that specific event that is the, the whole reason for the season because it wasn't that specific event that changed everything, but it was a series of things that had taken place from the beginning of time in all of uh, human history that draw us to this moment of Christ's birth, but also his life. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that as I was pl- uh, putting this message together and uh, God was working on me and, and the Holy Spirit was kind of directing me and guiding me because this is not something that we just went from uh, uh, as going through systematically through a book of the Bible. We're able to pull from different sections and uh, mine being that I was able to talk on love. Uh, Kevin gave me that option and I went, yeah, I'll take that one. That one's easy because you can pretty much open the Bible and find out where God's talking about love. Um, but when I started this um, and I started putting this all together, it was evident that I needed to bring in for me that I wanted to bring in um, and describe and show God's love from the very beginning of time. Uh, As things started to develop in human history, um, we get to see God's love displayed and unfolding up into the event of Christ's birth, all the way to Christ's death and his resurrection. So as I did this, and you guys are gonna love this because this doesn't happen very often at Church at the Well, this is exciting. I had a good time with this too. Um, as, I, as we go through this, so I'm going to kind of like lead you through these, these things. And I want you to be able to see this, that from the beginning, there was a, it was planned, it was promised, and it was predicted. If you uh, aren't familiar with alliterations, they don't happen here. But today, I had a good time putting it together because it even goes past this. And, and the predictions became the present from the Father which purchased a people. And those purchased people have a purpose and proclamation of the Prince who has returned. There you go. (laughs) So I did have a lot of fun putting that together and I was telling Kevin that we, it's just not something normally, because you try so hard to fit the right words in there. But as I was doing this, I was like, you know what, Kevin's gonna be proud of me. So (laughs) we're gonna go through this. Um, I have a lot of family in town right now, and a lot of people in our house have been sick. I've been avoiding everything uh, as much as possible, Um, but my throat is very dry today, so I will be drinking a lot. Um, The verse that's been read earlier talked about Christ's love and no greater love than this, but I want to bring it even farther back to that, and we're going to start at the very beginning. Um, The plan of love was in Genesis 3.15, and if you know this, Kevin talks about this often as the, uh, the, the, the first gospel message. And it says uh, in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between uh, your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That verse right there is the beginning of this love that God has shown us. Um, when, when you read those, you're like, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the problem is this. When God had prepared a perfect place for the people that he, 
that he created, there was just one commandment, just one, one rule that, that he had laid out. He says, don't eat from this tree. Don't do this and you will surely live. You eat from this and you will surely die. And, and Adam and, we, and Eve both ate from that tree. We know that story. And at that moment, when we talk about um, love, they had this perfect relationship with God. One that we have a glimpse of it, but we don't fully understand at this moment where we are in, in our lives. In that moment of glory, we'll see this, but right now we're, we're still separated, desiring that relationship. But Adam and Eve had that relationship, that perfect love relationship, walking with their creator, walking in, in uh, the garden, and yet they could not deny that one thing. And we think about the diets that we may go on, or like, you know what, I'm gonna refrain from this Add this in my life. Uh, today is my cheat day on my diet. So today is is uh, eggnog, pastries, uh, some football. But it's it's going to be a little bit of a cheat day because all week long I've been in self denial. All week long I've been saying no to things. And Adam and Eve had that one responsibility: just don't do that. A little bit of self denial. Tempted, failed had the opportunity to be successful, but temptation came and they failed. And that seems to be the, uh, the, what happens to all of us, and, and that's where we are in our lives. And this is one of the reasons why we need a Savior, but God, in His love, says, I'm going to fix this. Sacrifice an animal, because the wages of sin is death, and that first animal had to clothe Adam and Eve in their nakedness and their shame. And God provided it away because they couldn't do it. And he said, I'm going to fix this. And I'm not going to fix this right now. And I'm not going to, but there's going to be a division. There's going to be this, some separation. There's going to be some punishment, but I'm going to provide a way. So I'm going to show you my love. So the love, there was a plan for love. And we think about dieting and we think about denial and se separating ourselves from the things that we want. And sometimes there's separation that is truly hurtful because self-denial is okay. Sometimes you can white knuckle it, say I'm not going to do it. But then there's that, those times where that self-denial becomes pain. And there's also sometimes that, self, that, that death becomes that separation. And that's death that Adam and Eve faced when God um, exiled them from the garden and closed the garden off that they were not ever going to be able to go back in there that separation is painful and we we experience that ourselves someone that we truly love someone that we are close to <coughs> self-denial is easy but when that moment where that person that we love is no longer with us and death has taken them from us that's a painful painful thing adam and eve and again that love that we have for each other that person that we love is just another flawed human. But Adam and Eve experienced that separation and they were no longer able to be with God in the garden, no longer to have that perfect relationship. That was a painful separation. I can't imagine that because uh, my experiences with the Holy Spirit and feeling that love and that excitement and that joy, I can have again, but it's not what they had. And that, that, was, that was definitely a separation, a painful separation. <laughs> But God, in his love, says, I'll fix this. And he has a plan. And that promise of love, that's the next one. In Genesis 15, 5, and he brought him outside. And God is talking to 
Abraham. And he's already called Abraham out of Ur and the, uh, with the, the people of the Chaldeans. And he says, I'm going to make something special of you. And Abraham's like, going, I don't really see it yet. And God goes, I'm choosing you and I'm taking you out. I'm going to love you. You have done nothing that's special. You have done nothing in where you're at, but I'm going to love you and I'm going to do something special for you. And he says, he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven. The number of the stars, if you are, you know, count the number of the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And, he, and Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. God says, I am choosing you. I am going to love you. I am going to prosper you. I'm going to take you from where you were in your, with those people and I'm going to make you special. When God shows his love for us, he takes us where we're at and he takes us away from that and he makes us something special. He makes us a new creation. He makes us a new, new creature to do his will, but also to, to, to have that joy and that blessing. Abraham was pulled out and if you're with Christ, you've been pulled out as well. And that's God's love. God makes an everlasting covenant with Abraham, one that is a blessing to us as well. And he says this, and he goes, Abraham, I'm going to make this covenant with you. And he has Abraham do some things with some livestock, and he separates him, and he goes, I'm going to make this covenant with you that it will be everlasting. But he says, you're not going to be able to do this because I love you. I will be able to do it. And again, as a human beings, we fail often. We struggle to make sure that we are holding even true to the things that we're convicted to. We fail. But to establish that relationship, God says, I love you. I will take care of this. I will see through this, uh, this, this agreement. And that covenant, that promise, he chooses to blessing a family through, and, and through his family, every family uh, after him is blessed. All nations will be blessed. And that promise doesn't just stop, but that blessing is the promise of the Messiah. Um, the promise of love that is, is not just for, for him, but that promise, that blessing is for us. That love that we can experience, that love that we can have, is not something that's just like Valentine's Day where we decide to, to show somebody uh, that is significant to us that we care about them by buying them a gift or, or giving them a, a love note or spending a, an evening and a dinner together. But God's love is something that is every day. Um, and, and it would, could you imagine this, if, if our God was like so many relationships where it's a, a neglect and a neglect and then on that special day of Valentine's that, they, that your significant other, your husband, your wife gives you attention. That would be a very depressing relationship. But we're promised in Lamentations, and this is one of my favorite verses, and it talks about God's steadfast love. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It doesn't stop. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I, and again, alliteration are not, not excuse me, uh, examples uh, are not always exact, but I'll, I'll give you one. Can, I love my wife dearly, and if you know our relationship, um, I, I'm very attentive, I'm very loving, I'm gonna talk about myself a lot, but it's very easy, because my wife is very easy to love. Um, 
Kevin's made this statement, if somebody doesn't like Julie, there's something wrong with them. Um, but I love my wife, I choose to love my wife. She's very easy to, to, to love. Um, but there's sometimes during the day that I don't see her, I don't talk to her, we're busy doing our own thing, she's not on my mind. Um, and I go through, the whole, through that period of time, whether it be a long period of the day or not, just like everybody else that does not love my wife, focused on myself, getting my job done, getting my task done. And she does the same thing, where she will be completely uh, involved in whatever she's doing. She proved that the other day. We are on the train together. I said, hey, I'm going to get off. I'm going to give you a ride to your car. And I got picked up my bags, and I ran off this train at Maverick because it's scary getting off the train at Maverick because everybody's getting off and I turn around and I go where'd she go and I'm looking up the stairs and she I go did you stay on the train she goes yeah and I go, oh, you weren't even thinking about me and that happens and that's not a problem but the steadfast love of the Lord never fa fails it never ceases it's continually he's not just so in, uh, raptured with himself that he forgets that he's spinning this world and it's going to be colliding and going out of control. He is purposely thinking, intentionally thinking about everything to maintain it. Not that we're the center of the universe, because he is, but he does love us and his love is uh, never failing. And D.L. Moody, uh, I read this, uh, this last week, and if you don't know who D.L. Moody is, he is a, a theologian in the late 1800s and early 1900s. But he made this statement. He says, when I want to talk to God, I pray. And when I want God to talk to me, I read his word. This word is where we can seek his love and his, his care and his compassion and his mercies pouring out over us every day. In our community group, uh, there's four things that we talk about uh, each week. Did we do these things? And one of them is, um, did you read uh, God's word every day? Did you allow it to pour over your mind? Did you hear what he was saying to you? Uh, did you pray today? Did you speak to him and share your concerns and ask for help and uh, direction? Did you uh, talk to somebody else about God? In, was it an idle conversation? Were you just sharing something that was going on? Or were you in some really deep theological debate? And then the last one, the fourth thing we say, did you sit back and enjoy? Did you see his mercies? Did you see his, uh, the beauty? Did you see him working in your life? We look at those four things like, are we seeing these things happening? Because that allows us to see God's love on a daily basis, not forgetting to, to enjoy him is important. Um, the next one the prediction of love again the, another P but the prediction of love is one of the best uh, one of the, my favorite verses today and if you get home and you read the advent that John Piper put out this is today's verse it's Jeremiah 31 31 but we're going to read 31 through 34 and this is titled the new covenant and again we had a plan, we had a promise, we got a prediction right now. This is beautiful because this is saying that Jesus, the Messiah, the plan from the beginning to fix the problem between our crea the Creator and His creature is in us. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, and I love this stuff, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And remember, Jesus comes from the line of Judah. 
not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Now, if, if you know the story of Moses and you've seen the, uh, the DreamWorks version of it, or if you read it and you've seen the, I can't remember who the, uh, the actor was, uh, who did Moses, was it? Yes. That was a good one. That's the one I remember. But you see this story of the Hebrews being taken out of Egypt after 400 years of uh, slavery. God has allowed them to be in there for their, the, the time being that he had allotted, but now it's time to come out. There's over 5 million fighting, fighting men that could have, could have waged war, but they didn't, they didn't fight their way out. They didn't escape, because that would have been a pretty big escape, having that many people leaving all at the same time. But it was God in his love, his mercy, and his power that took them by the hand out of Egypt. They did nothing but walk out the gates. They didn't, they didn't set up anything. They didn't provide any covert mission. They just sat there and watched God do everything for them, and he provided through his love to have them leave. Not like the covenant that I made with, the, with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. This is exciting because you're like going, how's he going to write? Is he just going to just scratch it into our hearts? Because before it was written down on uh, tablets that they had to see, but now with the, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have God's law in you. You have God's word in you. And this is the beautiful thing because it's predicting how's it going. Writing on our hearts, it's literally given to us. And when we read uh, John 1, and it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's foretelling of what we have in Christ with the Holy Spirit in us. And, and it says, I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, says the Lord. Know the Lord, for they shall all know me for the, from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. That's the beautiful thing. God's talking about it in Genesis. I'm gonna provide a plan. I'm gonna make the promise coming through Abraham and Isaac and through David and then I'm going to do something so special that I'm gonna take all their sin away. You're not going to be able to do it, but God's love handles it for us. It's a wonderful thing knowing that just like the uh, Hebrews coming out of Egypt, they had no ability to save themselves. They had no ability to, uh, to escape their, uh, their slavery, nor can we. We have the love of God to see us through this. And then the next one, the present of love. In Luke 2, uh, 10 through 11, it says, shepherds in the field. And this is a wonderful story because this is the time of Christ's birth. And angels appear to the shepherds in the field. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of jo great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
This is the present of love. This is the present from God that we have a Messiah, that he is delivering, he is bringing us our Redeemer. And the angel saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, and we read this earlier, Ben did, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This present that God has given us, this present of love that God has given us in Christ that is providing us a way, a Messiah, a deliverer, a redeemer is for us, for those that he has drawn. And God's gift of love to the world is is the culmination of the promise from the very beginning of human history. And when Jesus was meeting this woman at the well, and if you guys know the story, and it's, a, it's the verse that we have chosen for the, the password for our coffee houses, but also the, uh, the, the, uh, the verse that we use for our, uh, our direction in how we serve our customers, that we are to serve them, uh, that we're going to give them something more than just coffee, but we're going to give them the living word. And when Jesus meets the woman at the well, and he says, hey, give me a drink. And uh, she says, who are you? I'm a, uh, ask me a dr- for water. Uh, I'm a Samaritan woman, and you're a Jew. And, you know, it, there's a bunch of, and Kevin's talked about this, a bunch of barriers that had to be broken down. But the next thing it says, if you knew the gift of God and who you were speaking to, you would have asked me for water. Jesus is declaring that he is the gift of God. And that gift is what gives us redemption, and that is the plan that God had in the garden. And that's the beautiful part of seeing that this whole thing unfold, that it was not just an accident. And I know that uh, if you read some of our founding fathers in, in this country, that they believe that God started everything and then just steps back and watches it all uh, all unfold and, and just hopes that somebody steps up and hopes that somebody has uh, uh, does a good thing but we see in, in in scripture that God was in control of this planning it all out purposing it for uh, for the events that have taken place and God promises that nobody can thwart his plans nobody can deviate what he has uh, set in motion and it is that purpose and that plan and that, uh, that, that, that constant being involved that sh- should give us security and confidence in his love, that it's not something that, well, I can't really count on it. Because you think about when Isaac was with his wife and they were going into a new uh, city and he knew that his wife was beautiful and he's not a very confident man and as he walked in there and he he goes man I'm going to say that you're my sister so nobody kills me and takes you and and I think God made you a promise that you were going to be a people of many nations and you forgot that when we read God's word it is a constant reminder that we need to be in there to remind ourselves because we are for a, a forgetful people. We are a people that loses track. We get stuck in our, our little tunnel vision. We forget what's going on and how God has a plan for everything. And his plan of love is unfolding on a daily basis. When we get to where this, uh, 
where Jesus is born, that's just another step in this continuing process and this continuing rolling out of history of God's love. And the next one, the purchase of love. In Romans 5, 8, for one, and we read this, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And when Jesus is in the garden and he's praying and he's asking uh, the, the night before he is uh, to be handed over to the Roman soldiers and to be crucified, he's kneeling down and he's, he's praying and he's asking God to remove the cup from him. And I always ask my kids, I go, hey, what was in the cup? What was in the cup? Wrath. Yes, inside the cup was God's wrath. Um, there's a story uh, of one of the, uh, and I always ask them that. I go, what was in it? What was in it? It's God's wrath was in that cup. And that's what he was asking. Please separate this. I cannot pass this off, but my, not my will, but your will, because that needed to happen for us. Obviously, we needed to have Jesus take all of God's wrath that would have been poured out on us while we were sinners. Christ died for us, but we needed that wrath to be taken away from us. Otherwise, we end up being... Uh, the recipient of God's wrath, and that's not where we want to be. Um, there's a story of a prophet in, uh, in the Old Testament that, and this is why I don't think I would have been a prophet if I was back then, because that just sounds crazy, but God tells them to take a chalice and fill it with wine and take it to the king and says, drink this, and the king's supposed to drink it, and he says, that's God's wrath on you, and I'm like, that's crazy. Can you walk up, imagine walking up to Mayor Wu and go, Mayor Wu, drink this. This is God's wrath on you for everything that you've done. And, and obviously, that you would be considered really crazy. But, but that cup, when Christ is asking, take this cup from me, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And through that, Christ has redeemed a people for himself. And this was the plan from the beginning. Adam couldn't keep the covenant. Abraham couldn't keep the covenant. The, the Hebrews couldn't keep the commandments. They, they couldn't even save themselves. They couldn't have escaped um, because the wages of our sin, we can't even escape them. But Christ, through Christ, we are able to. We aren't righteous, nor are we good. I mean, sometimes we might do something nice, but in no way, shape, or form are we righteous and are we good to, in, in comparison to a holy God. But God, and this is the beautiful part, in his steadfast love, and if you remember Lamentations, we read it earlier, in, in God, in his steadfast love, his mercies never end, and they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That is the promise. And if we read his word, it's over and over and over. We can see where he's made promises, follows through with them, and continues to provide those, that loving mercy. I think about, the, for me, if you can imagine this, uh, every Sunday morning while I was in college, I'd wake up and I barely could turn my neck. I could barely stand up. I, 
I walk like a very old man, which I do now every day, but I walk like an old man because my body hurt. Saturday night football games, Sunday morning pain. I'd wake up, I'd go into the bathroom and, and I'd raise my arms and I would just have bruises and cuts all over my rib cages. And I'm like, I have no idea where that one came from. Some of them I could remember, but my neck would be stiff from doing football stuff. And I think that if our sin were to be displayed on our outside every day, what it would look like. And I know some of us struggle every day with pain. Um, but Christ, through his mercy, through his, through his loving sacrifice on the cross, allows us to, when we sin, repent, fall on our face, prostate, uh, uh, physically or symbolically, but repent and we no longer have to carry those burdens, those bruises, those marks, because Christ took them all on the cross. The bruises and the whips and the cuts and the nails take all that away. That shame that Adam and Eve had in the garden when God had to cover them, Jesus takes that away from us. So we are no longer uh, uh, held to those, uh, those sins because the, sin, the wages of sin is death, but Christ took all of that away from us. And through repentance and through being redeemed, we can have that relationship because God gave us that opportunity through his plan, through his promise, through his prediction, and through his purchase, we are redeemed people. We still have some sanctification to go. We have, we're not in the presence of God, but we do have the Holy Spirit. And through this, the purpose and a proclamation of love. This is now our job. This is now where we step in. And in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God's love is, is transformative. It's, if, if you've seen somebody that was deep in their sin and struggling and then they come to faith in Christ and there's a new creature, uh, creature created and they are now no longer that same person that they're able to walk away from the sin that, that was so plaguing their life but they're now seeking and, and honoring God in their lives. That's the beautiful part of being able to share that sh and shine that light. We are called to be a light, reflecting God's love to others. The light is not of us or even from us, but the light is from Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in us to do good works. This is who we are now. The love of God from the beginning of time has taken its, its stages and its steps and its events to get us to this point. Where, where we now are able to proclaim Christ. In, John, in 1 John 4, 6, so we have come to know and to believe the love of God, I mean, excuse me, the love that God has for us. God is love and God abides in him. God's love abides in him. This is, the, this is so cool. It abides in Jesus. Where should we abide then? If we truly want to have love, where should we abide? We should abide in Jesus. Jesus says, abide in me. 
And we need to abide there. And, and as, we, as we look at this and we start thinking about how can I apply this? How can I apply this light that's in me now? How do I apply it into my community? How do I apply it into um, how God wants us to live? And then we go to John 15, 12 through 17, which Ben read earlier. This is my commandment. How do we do it? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one that it, than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you my servants, for, servant, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Remember this. You did not choose me. And I, and I love that because I would have not chosen Christ. I would have chosen my sin. I would have been lost in it forever. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. God's love had a plan. God's love had a promise. God's love had a prediction. God's love had a present. God's love had a purpose and a proclamation. I love this alliteration is flowing so well, but God's love has done it all. We do nothing. He, we did not choose him. He chose us. He chose Adam and Eve. He chose, he chose uh, Abraham. He chose Isaac. He chose Jude Judah. He chose David. And all the way down the line, he's chosen what he wants to have happen. Nothing thwarts God's plan. And if you're sitting here and he's chosen you, you now have a job to do. And that's to proclaim the gospel. <clears throat> And then Matthew 28, if you don't know exactly, God, Jesus was very specific. And I love going back to this. And this is probably one of the most read uh, verses that we talk in, in Church of the Well. In Matthew 28, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Just another promise. Just another promise that, uh, that God is going to fulfill because he loves. Did not want to leave us alone. Did not want to leave us on our own. Do not listen to Thomas Jefferson and say that God got everything started and just walked away. He has been active and involved in every aspect of human history and he's been active and involved in every aspect of your salvation and continually in your sanctification god is good never to leave us his love is steadfast um, and as we get down to this the as we're starting to close up and we'll be taking communion in a minute God's love has been poured out on us. Christ poured out his love uh, for us by the shedding of his blood. 
And as we remind ourselves on a weekly basis as we take communion, this new covenant that we talked about in Jeremiah 31, 31, where it's the new covenant that's going to be written on our hearts. This is the promise that we have. And as we read scripture, we should be reminded as we take communion, we should be reminded of this commitment this, of love that God has for us in Christ. Um, Last week was the first week in probably two years that I took communion by myself. Uh, usually it's with uh, the church or I do, uh, do a communion with my wife. And yet last week, since I was alone, I was able to sit and think. And I said, man, I haven't done this in a long time. And I go, I wonder if it still moves me like it does and as I sat there and I heard the songs being sung and I started to go through the story of, of uh, Christ when he started the, uh, the first, uh, last, of the Last Supper with the first communion and he started this new covenant and he said, uh, this is my body broken for you, take and eat. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you, take and drink. And as I started to say these things to myself, just an overwhelming feeling of love and sacrifice poured over to me. And, it, and, I, and I don't cry often, but I started to tear up. And I had to get it down really quick before I started blubbering and shaking and weeping. So today, when we take communion, a uh, little different, as we re- we're going to sing two songs. Quickly get your, um, your elements and go back to your seat and just sit and as they sing, just sit and go through the, the story in your head and imagine that as Christ is breaking that bread and saying, this is my body broken for you because the next day he's crucified. This is my blood of the new covenant, the new promise. And remember, we can't keep the covenants. Christ keeps the covenants. God keeps the covenants. And as you, as you play that out in your mind and you say, this is my blood of the new covenant, think about how much from the beginning of time to this moment in time, this event, how much God loves you. I'm going to ask uh, the, the Annalisa and Greg and I hope to come up. And I'm going to leave some prayer. And again, as they start to sing, take the elements, come back to your seat. And then just take communion with yourself and enjoy this moments of pure fellowship and love that you should you can fill with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, being able to open up scripture and see that you have loved us from the very beginning, that you have provided a way for us through Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection that separates us from our old lives and our, and our sinful ways. And through repentance, we are able to be reconciled to you. Help us to glorify you and to proclaim you and to be uh, the light that shines in our communities. We ask, Lord, that you will continue to, to be with us and bless us and guide us and sanctify us in your son's name. Amen.